Ready to break free from algorithms, vanity PR, and money-sucking ads? My name's Larissa Worstiak, and I've learned in seven years of jewelry marketing that content is the crown jewel. My agency, Joy Joya, takes a holistic approach, leading with laser-focused storytelling, impactful content creation, and strategic content distribution. This method has worked for the solopreneur as well as the multi-million dollar company. And now I'm sharing the same systems and tactics with you. Here's to standing out in the sea of sparkle. This is episode 253, and today I'll be giving you an inside look at a jewelry brand that will be my focus for the next six months. Imagine it as a reality show, but instead it's centered around a jewelry business. So I'll be spotlighting Hillary Fink Jewelry, the winner of the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Grant, and our conversation today will revolve around her plans for marketing content. If you're just tuning into this new season of the podcast for the first time, I recommend pausing here, going back to episode 252. That way you can get to know Hillary and embark on this journey from the beginning. Before diving into the interview, I'll share valuable content planning insights that can benefit your business. Contrary to what many think, This season, this time of year is really an excellent opportunity to start strategizing your content, especially as we approach the holiday season and prepare for 2024. Join me as I delve into the world of content from initial brainstorming, refining those ideas, to allocating time for the vital brand narratives you aim to share. But before we get to the solid gold, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both audio and video, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. You can support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave a review, I might read it on a future episode. Please let me know what you think about this episode or about any other major takeaways you've had recently. Okay, let's get into today's episode, my sparklers. So this is going to be all about content planning. Before we jump into the interview with Hillary, I wanna give you a little bit of background info about her current state of content and what we're doing to improve her strategy. So let's talk about the current situation. So right now, most of Hillary Fink's content is really focused on new product or collection launches. And then there's not much going on in between those launches. Hillary admits that she kicks off each year with a big, vibrant plan in mind, but as the months roll on, she's often swayed by inspiration. Not necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes that more free-spirited, creative approach might have her missing out on some golden opportunities in marketing. So as you know, for example, there are so many holidays sprinkled throughout the year, and many of them could be relevant for your target audience. And looking at her marketing, I kind of think, well, why isn't she capitalizing on these occasions to reach out to her audience? like Valentine's Day, for example. And it's not just about the sales all the time, but also about using holidays to build that connection with your audience. Because with connection between those exciting product and collection launches that she's really focused on communicating, 
there's this lull. And in that lull, the customers aren't really hearing much from her. It's like they're they're probably sitting there waiting. If they're fans of Hillary's, they probably want to know more. But she's not giving that storytelling element, those kind of layered, nuanced messages that are not always related to just a new product drop. So Hillary admits that she's not necessarily struggling with content planning per se, but she does know that there's room to be more detailed, more structured. She even said that summer, especially for her, is a whirlwind. It tugs her in many directions, and then that's when for her, marketing starts to feel more disjointed. And at the same time, summer is such a crucial moment to be preparing for the big holiday push. So even though we're working with Hillary starting, we started in July and it's now August and we're getting toward the end of the summer, we're gonna try to make the most of September to really set her up for success for holiday. And as you know from the last episode, one thing I've always admired about her brand is the story behind it. And Hillary told me that she's been toying with the idea of adding more of that storytelling element, like a sneak peek behind the curtains of making the jewelry. But for her, it's been kind of a start-stop journey. And I really think that if she's able to nail the consistency, then I believe that the brand can shine even brighter than it already does. So now that we know the current state of the content planning, let's talk about what are the goals? What does Hillary really want to get out of content marketing? So it really all boils down to one word, storytelling. She knows, she believes very strongly that her clients should be brought into the world behind each piece, that they should know more than just like the surface sparkle of new collections. But as you sparklers probably know from telling stories about your jewelry, that all takes intention and thought and time and energy. And above all of that, the most difficult part, the consistency. And she admits that the staying consistent has been really tricky. And Hillary also wants to be promoting lots of other exciting things about her business. Like she recently got new packaging that she'll talk about in the interview and her hand hammered collection, which she doesn't often highlight because the pieces in that collection are more like permanent essentials rather than her like shiny new one-of-a-kind drops. So it becomes easy to put those on the back burner in favor of the newness. And then with her captured collection, she admits that she never really like opened the book on how that originated and came to be and really what makes it special to her. So we have so many different opportunities to tell stories about her business. So what are we actually doing to help Hillary? It's a multi-step process for sure. The first thing that we had Hillary do, and she'll talk about this in the interview more, is we had her do what we call a brain dump (laughs) in marketing, a very elegant term, just in a simple Google doc, nothing fancy, literally just a bulleted list, whatever came to mind in whatever way made sense for her to share. And those things included anticipated product and collection launches, 
important dates and holidays for the business, any seasonal or time-sensitive themes that maybe have performed well in the past or that she's always wanted to explore, any sales or discounts she plans on offering, any products or collections she would like to showcase at specific times of the year, any specific calls to action related to time that are time sensitive, and also a general marketing wish list of items that she has. So she did that brain dump for us. And while she was doing that, me and my team went through her data, and I'm talking about Google Analytics, email, social media, back to the beginning of 2022 so that we could get at least one full year of data to see the ebbs and flows of her business through year-to-date 2023. And we put together a tracker for her of the key performance indicators or KPIs. And that, that looks at things like website traffic, e-commerce performance, social media performance, and email marketing performance. It's so important for us to do that historical data rather than just starting from the month that we are starting in. Because one, as I mentioned, in most jewelry businesses, there is a seasonality. But one can never assume that the same seasonality applies from one business to another. I think there are a lot of different patterns in jewelry businesses. So to get a sense of like, when are the busy times? When are the slower times? Why are the slow times slow? What can we do to like reverse that? So that is one reason why we really like to look at the historical data, but also to understand what levers can we be pulling in the business to have the greatest impact? Because with small business owners, they often don't have a lot of resources. So we don't wanna be wasting our time on things that are not gonna make a difference or that are gonna take a super long time to have an impact. So we can find some of the low hanging fruit and make a difference on a shorter timeline. I'm not saying overnight, but like in a reasonable timeline. And then also looking at these KPIs helps us see and explain to Hillary things she may not have even known about her business because she wasn't aware of where to look for those things. So for example, and again, we'll talk about this more in the interview, we noticed that her website sessions have been slowly declining this year, but that in the full scope of that, there are other positive things that kind of can be weighed against the decline in website sessions. So bringing that to her attention so we can talk through it and find ways to improve upon it. We also learned, no surprise if you follow Hillary on Instagram, that she truly is knocking it out of the park with Instagram to the point where I was kind of like really taken aback by that data. But again, it's so important to see that, to see the numbers and what they actually mean. Looking at the data also brought up so many other questions for us, even outside of marketing that we'll be exploring, like whether her price points are set in the right place. And then after Hillary finished the brain dump, and we went through all the KPIs, we met with her to talk through all her priorities 
and which of the things in the brain dump really felt the most important to her so that we could then take that and create a content calendar starting very simply in a Google Sheet that breaks down week by week through January of next year with columns for things like promotions, website content, important events or launches, email marketing, and social media. And from there, once we all agree on the content calendar, then me and my team, we handle all the email and website content related tasks. We have an Asana project management tool where we're able to schedule and plan for all the things we're going to need. And then Hillary will also be continue to handle social media marketing because she's already a rock star at it. But within that space, She's not just alone trying to navigate that herself. We find ways to align it with the email, with the website content, and also talking through more specific strategies that she can use to make her social media marketing even more effective. Because even though someone is already doing something amazing, doesn't mean there are not other opportunities or room for improvement. So without further delay, it'll be way more interesting to hear this directly from Hillary. Here's my conversation with Hillary and you can hear from her in her own words all about the things I just talked about. Hey, Hillary, welcome back. Excited to chat with you today. Hello, Larissa. So since the last time we spoke, I had you do a little bit of homework and me and my team also did some work for you. So I want to kind of do a recap of everything that we accomplished and kind of talk about where we're at right now. So one of the first things that I had you do, Hillary, was kind of look ahead in your business for the upcoming six months which seems like so far away, um, and kind of do like a brain dump of everything you anticipated coming up in your business, of things that you wanted to highlight in your marketing. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of curious to know, what was that process like for you? How did you feel about doing that exercise? It's it's good. It's, it's interesting to do in the summer months when I'm like a little less focused on my business just because of vacations and um, just, you know, the randomness of summer. Um, so it was actually really good because it did make me push forward a little bit more than I, than I had been. Um, and generally I'll do that kind of a thing, like at the beginning of the year. Um, it doesn't always mean I'm going to follow it for the rest of the year, but um, so it was good. It, I knew it needed to be done. How far were you able to actually get in the future? Where did you like start to struggle with the timeline? Um, I, I think I can carry it like from now until January. Um, that's where things just start to become a little more nebulous. Um, just because I'm not someone who focuses so much on Valentine's Day. And it doesn't mean I won't. It just means I generally don't. So um, yeah, I kind of know what I'm going to make for the rest of the year. And then and I usually do a collection at the beginning of January for the new year. So I mean, I guess for like listeners and viewers who maybe have never done this exercise before, would you say it was easy? Was it difficult? Do you have like tips for people on how to actually sit down and do it? Um, I don't necessarily think it's difficult. It might be a little, you know, maybe you feel a little bit of stress or anxiety from it, but I think that that's good 
you know, that's what needs to happen. Um, and then the way I see it is I kind of know myself. I know that like, I sometimes will just change if like, that's kind of not what I feel like making anymore. So I know it's not necessarily written in stone, but I think it at least helps me plan things a little bit more in terms of just getting my head around, um, what emails might start to look like. Um, and just, and like I said, in the summer, I'm pulled in so many different directions. It's nice to kind of ground me back into my business. So maybe it's good to do, you know, twice a year, do it in the summertime when you don't feel as grounded in your business. Yeah. I mean, I love that idea of doing it twice a year. And also, I mean, this is something we'll be revisiting monthly anyway. So even though we have this like macro view of the, the, events, the milestones, the content, it just always needs to be revised because like you said, it's not set in stone. I know I've never had a client where we did the calendar and it was like done for good. That's just, it's not, that's not a reality that anyone can adhere to. Yeah. Yeah. From that brain dump that you did, um, me and my team, like looking at the calendar, the cadence of like how often we're going to be sending emails, the cadence of how often you post on social media, we take that and we try to make sense of it and put it into an actual like week by week, month by month, what are we going to do? And typically that brain dump that the client gives us doesn't cover or account for like all the possible emails, the posts, the website content that we would send. So there's definitely always opportunities to come up with like new creative storytelling, new ideas to almost like fill in the gaps. So we definitely brainstorm together like, all right, well, what do we fill in between like this launch and this launch, for example, because there's a period of time where you might not be communicating with your customers. And a lot of that is where like storytelling can come in and like thinking outside the box. So I'm curious, like how you felt about looking at the calendar in this way and like some of the ideas that we filled in. I love it. It makes me very excited to know that there will be this like, you know, intermediate content between my, my uh, collection releases, because it's not, that's just not where I'm able to focus. And so, but I know I needed to, and, um, you know, it's just one of those things I've needed help with. Like I need, I need help with storytelling since I'm a maker, I'm not necessarily a, a storyteller. I mean, I can tell stories with pictures necessarily, but um, so I, it makes me really happy to see that there's a plan for, you know, what this email might look like, what we're going to do with Instagram and social media that week. Um, it's, it's very comforting too. I'm like, Oh, good. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that should be the main takeaway. I feel like it is so comforting when you have this to like fall back on that takes away a lot of anxiety. Like even for mm -hmm. me, I'm not even the business owner, but I'm supporting the business and I'm like, all right, well, like we have, we know what's going on. We're good. Like there's a plan. We don't have to worry. Mm -hmm. Um, when yeah. in our meeting, when we met about this, you had mentioned, like, I really need someone to push me actually to do those things. And I thought that was interesting too. Do you want to elaborate on that? I think part of it is, you know, I'm, I do such creative work, you know, day in, day out in my studio that it's then hard for me to be creative in other parts of my business. And so um, I don't necessarily have these ideas of what the possibilities are for different, you know, 
outreach and marketing and all that. And so I kind of just trust you knowing that, and, and I'll just say like, make me do it, you know, because I'm most likely not going to do it, you know, get me out of my comfort zone and um, push me to do something new because it's, it, I, I think more contact points with my clientele is in different ways is really important. So what are, I mean, I know, even though you said you need to be pushed, you probably have some ideas or things you've been wanting to get to in your head. What are like some examples of those things that you just haven't had the time or resources to get to? So last year I got all new packaging and collateral and things like that. And I designed it myself and I worked with a print house in New York and I had um, linen pouches made in Bali and I just, totally redid my packaging and I haven't really, I kind of, I think I sent out one little email about it and I might've done one little post about it, but I haven't really shown it off in a way that, because I'm proud of it because there's no plastic in it. Um, it's something that if, you know what, if then ends up being, you know, in the ground someday, it's all biodegradable. Um, so there's design and thought around it. Um, so there's that. And then also, um, you know, I think most people know me for my captured collection and my stonework, but I have this whole other collection that I have been calling the hand hammered collection. And it's pieces that are just metal, you know, um, and it's pieces that most pieces, the entire piece is made from, you know, forging with hammers and things like that. And that was always my, like my first love. And a lot of those designs that are in that collection are pieces that were like my very first piece that I sold, you know, in the early 2000s. And I still have some of those pieces and they still do really well. They're kind of timeless classic pieces. But um, since they're kind of like a permanent collection, I don't give them as much attention as I do like, you know, the new one of a kind pieces. Um, so I've always wanted to find a way to, to show off that collection a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um. And then also with the captured collection, I'm not sure if I've fully told the story of where this came to be. You know, how did I come up with this setting? Because um, there is a story back behind it. Um, I just get really, uh, you know, engrossed in showing all the, the new shiny, pretty things. And I kind of forget to tell more of a backstory about my brand and, you know, why I do what I do. It's pretty much... Uh... <laughs> something that happens across the board with like every client we've ever worked with. It's like a focus on the new because, and I understand why when you're in your business or even if you're on a, in a bigger business and that's what you're looking at all the time, it starts to feel old to you. But then remembering that there are always new potential customers coming to the business and maybe they aren't familiar with like what's come before. So it's so important mm -hmm. to like keep that top of mind. Mm -hmm. um, and to your point about that hand hammered collection, when we had our meeting, you had also made a comment like, oh, these are actually the pieces I like to wear the most. They're kind of like my classics. And I'm like, we need to talk about that somehow. Yeah. Like we need to yeah. bring that story out. And so finding a way to tell that story also without necessarily having Hillary, like take pictures of herself. Like what are some creative ways that we can say this is such like an everyday essential collection of pieces? Right. Cause I do think, you know, even if there's some people that love jewelry primarily that have stones, 
I feel like you always need just like that go-to pair of earrings that, you know, it doesn't have a colorful stone on it. It'll go with any outfit you're wearing. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I think that's why I wear pieces from that collection because they're just easy for me. You know, I can just grab them and go and I know that they're going to look good. So the other thing we worked on in addition to content was I looked at all of Hillary's data. So that was through Google Analytics, through Shopify, through email marketing, and through social media. And what we do when we first look at that data is go back through the entire previous year. So we did all of 2022 and then 2023 year to date. And the reason it's like a very painstaking thing, but it's just, I find it to be a non-negotiable, like we must do this because I need to understand like what the patterns are and what has happened up to now. So we put together this uh, key performance indicator or KPI tracker where we're looking at like the e-commerce activity, the website content, again, the email and the social media. And then what is even possible? Like what levers can we be pulling to have an impact? Because otherwise we would just be um, going in blind. So I'm kind of curious about Hillary, like what were your initial reactions to seeing that data all together? And like, how did it make you feel? What were like some surprising things about it? I mean, it's impressive that you can pull as much data as you can. Um, I think the thing that surprises me and, and it, or maybe it doesn't surprise me. Maybe I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And I just kind of saw it in the numbers is um, the web traffic, because my whole goal is to get more web traffic. And so we saw that kind of over time this year, the web traffic has gone down a little bit. I mean, it also doesn't make sense because I've gotten a ton of new Instagram followers. And so I'm always looking at the insights and I'm seeing people are clicking through my posts, go to my website. So I guess I was a little surprised by that, but also it makes sense in the fact that I know that the goal is to get more website traffic. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think that was just, that was kind of the, the big takeaway. Um, again, it just shows to me how I'm excited to just see how everything starts to come together from working with you because everything I've been doing is so piecemeal and maybe a little disjointed. Hillary was a little self-conscious about the decrease in the like sessions or the overall like visits to the website. And I told her, not a big deal. <laughs> you know, I'm not calling this out to say something wrong is happening. If there is a pattern of a decline or like a movement away from what you think you should be doing or your goal, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're even doing something wrong. There could be so many reasons outside of your control that something like that's happening but we like to do this overview of the data so we can notice stuff like that and just like get curious about it. Because if something seems to be happening in a pattern, it's like, okay, let's pay attention to this, try to figure out like why this is happening and is there a way we can move the needle in the other direction. Um, and so I do, I just wanna share some like high level takeaways from that data. Like uh, Hillary had mentioned the decrease in sessions or the traffic. Um, to the website. But at the same time, there was actually like a positive side to that because people were viewing more pages per session and actually spending more time on the website. And her returning user percentage was up year over year. So 
what that all tells me is like she might be having trouble getting like new eyeballs on the site, but the people that already know the brand and love the brand are spending more time with it and coming back again and again. And actually, that is a harder thing to do in marketing than it is to get new eyeballs. So it's like she's actually checked the harder box already and like done a good job with that. Um, So in a way, it's like we need to do the easier thing. Well, theoretically. But um, and that's why it's so important to look at the data as a whole and see all the sides of it, because one piece isn't going to tell the whole story. And another thing that we notice with the e-commerce is like year over year comparing like, you know, let's say June 2023 over June 2022, the abandoned cart rates were going up and we had a conversation about that and how like she used to have an abandoned cart email in place but didn't like the approach of it or the language and um, eventually transitioned away. And so we decided that may not be the only reason that there's a higher abandoned cart rate, but it's a worth looking at maybe re-implementing something like that and rethinking the approach to see like if it has an impact. Um, Also, the average order value, it brings up a whole other conversation even outside of marketing. Like what should there be price adjustments? Should there be like an elimination of some of the lower priced items to be more in line with if, okay, if these are our revenue goals and we have like this many people coming to the site, like where does that average order value really need to be to hit hit the goals every month? And it's it's really like illuminating to look at what the average orders, ac- average order values actually are. And then if you're familiar with Hillary, just like transitioning into social media data now, you know she's kind of an Instagram rock star. <laughs> she <laughs> and she was just telling me and um, my digital marketing coordinator, Claire, that when I look at July's numbers, that I'm going to be really impressed by like the performance of this one post she had with a Enhydro ring. And so she has these like knock it out of the park posts. And overall, I think even though those don't happen all the time, because the way the algorithm works in its in its mysterious ways, it kind of like uplifts everything else. Because Instagram sees like, all right, this is popular. This must be like a good account that people need to know about. So in those months where she has these like knock it out of the park, even one off posts, it just helps everything else. Like we noticed then that month overall, the uplift of everything is better. And it's it's really interesting to see the patterns of that. Um, one other thing I mentioned to her was with reels, which, oh, well, let me, <laughs> you can say, you can speak to your opinion about reels and like how you feel about making them and posting them. And then I'll kind of get into that. I, I just find that they're harder and take more of my time to, to make. Um, and I think part of it is there's just so much more editing involved, you know, like if you want a bunch of different images together or videos together, you know, editing, you know, editing the, the timing of them and then choosing the music. I have to say that is probably the thing that I struggle with the most because it's like someone asking you like, what's your favorite band? And you're like, 
like I like yeah. a million bands. <laughs> and so, you know, choosing the music is always something that I just takes way too long. Um, and I love looking at reels. And then once I'm done with my reel, I'm like, oh, great. But I, you know, it's more of just a, 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 a time intensive thing about it. That's all. Yeah. And I think if you just randomly polled like a hundred people, like probably 90% of them would say it's annoying how much time it takes to, to make reels. But what we saw in her data was in the months where she maybe didn't post any reels or like very few reels, it actually had an impact on the engagement overall on Instagram. Not, not just with reels, but with everything, with regular posts, um, and so the months where she does have reels, we see a slightly better increased performance. So my suggestion to Hillary was don't kill yourself over the reels, but like maybe get into some kind of consistent flow of how often, you know, once, even once every other week, just to make sure they're in there to like level out the performance of everything else. Because it's it's a pattern that I've seen, not just with Hillary, but like, pretty much every other client, the reels have some kind of direct correlation with how everything else works or doesn't work. And I think you were kind of surprised by that, right? Definitely. Because I always find that my engagement is better on posts. At least it seems like it is. So Mm -hmm. it really surprised me. But, you know, it's easy enough to, you know, to prioritize it now is a little bit, it's easy enough because you can get into sort of a, a category with reels. Like I'll make sure I take process photos and it, reels are perfect for that kind of like stories are right. Like just kind of showing process pictures in a row to a, a finished piece. I think reels are probably great for that too. Yeah, that's so true. And um, when we're recording this, when this comes out, it'll probably be a few weeks later, but Instagram just released like a better reels template editor in the app. So they, they really are trying to make it easier for people to make the reels. And so Hopefully it will help people like streamline the process Mm -hmm. of making them too. And then lastly, with email marketing. So I can't remember if we had mentioned this in the last recording, but Hillary's currently on MailChimp. And my recommendation was to move to Klaviyo for like a few different reasons for better data, better integration and connectivity with Shopify, um, kind of having emails that are more tailored for the customer because they can be connected to like shopping behavior, purchase behavior, et cetera. And (laughs) I don't know, MailChimp is just a little bit of a dinosaur. I feel like they're not evolving fast enough and they're just trying to keep up, keep pace with Klaviyo. And um, I know Hillary did have some some hesitations about it. So maybe you could speak to that a little bit because I feel like there are probably other people who feel the same way. They maybe that don't use Klaviyo. Yeah, it's something I've been interested in. But it's, again, it's more of just like the time and the learning curve of, you know, transferring your entire mailing list in my template that I use. And just just knowing how to do something, right? Um, I know how to use MailChimp. Yes. I don't love it. <laughs> I, I don't love it. It's not, I'm not there because I love it. Um, I'm there because it's what I've been using. So um, I'm super happy to switch to Klaviyo. I've heard such great things about it. Um, And yeah, you just don't get as much data from MailChimp. And then as we were showing, like I was telling you, 
they don't, they get some things wrong. Like they don't attribute sales to newsletters very well. Yeah. Yeah. I've had sales come from newsletters and they don't, it doesn't show up. And I'm like, all right, well, that data, I just can't trust that data then. Absolutely. And from in being in the marketer's shoes, like I'm not the one who can intuitively say like, oh, I know that customer like actually did buy from this email. And that becomes more of an issue as you scale your business too, because even if it is just you, you can't sit there and like mind map like where every sale came from. You're kind of just relying on the data. So it is so important to have a reliable source to understand like where things are coming from. But Mm -hmm. even with the MailChimp, I was able to get like a pretty good baseline of um, the performance from 2022 and 2023. And Hillary has a super consistent open rate, like around 60%-ish, which is good. We like that. It's a good place to be. And one thing I thought was extra interesting, especially after I presented this to her, she has pretty high click rates. Like on average, it was like 11% or something in last year and then 10% this year. That is very high to give you context. Sometimes we just are hoping to get to like two or three percent with clients because that is more like a better average click-through rate. So the people on her list are really engaged. But then she really surprised me when she said that not every email she sends actually even has a place to click, right, Hillary? (laughs) (laughs) Or or it's or it's not like I have a, an email where it's just a lot of products that are clickable because that's usually the preview email where the, all the images are and that stuff isn't on my website yet. So yeah. there's, I just sometimes send out emails where there's maybe like, I don't know, two or three clickable things if, if, if that. <laughs> so yeah, maybe they're just, maybe they're just desperate and they're like, this one photo definitely must be clickable. <laughs> Yeah, there must be the product must be there. She's lying to us. Like they're just really click happy. They want to go to your website. But that's amazing. Like we we love that and we want that. So we'll keep milking that and finding a way to like keep that super consistent. So that's a great starting point to have for email marketing. Um so I guess the last thing Hillary that I want to ask you based on those things I just talked about and just going through the the tracker, the data tracker on your own, was there anything else that really surprised you or even that confirmed beliefs you already had? Um, I mean, I guess the thing that I, I had to, it took me a second, is that I had to remember on, you know, the one about the e-commerce data. I had to remember, oh, these are only sales that are coming through Shopify. Because so much of my business is custom and that comes through check, PayPal, Venmo, QuickBooks invoices. A lot of my business is wholesaler consignment. And so I found it interesting because I don't think I had, you know, I look at my numbers every year and kind of, you know, I have my bookkeeper send me a bunch of reports. And the one thing I had not looked at was what's coming direct from Shopify. And just how interesting of a percentage it is compared to, to everything else. Mm-hmm. And it, and it made me feel really, because it's, it's not that, like, it's actually not that much. There's a lot. I was surprised that there's so much more of my business that's custom and wholesale and consignment. 
um, or direct that comes through not from someone on my site. Maybe that piece is on my site, but we do a separate sale somehow. Anyway, um, but it made me ex- actually really excited because the you know part of the point of us working together is to increase the website traffic and increase the website sales. So I think it's definitely possible. I'm yeah, very and I, about it. I think kind of what you're saying too is like sometimes it takes a person like me who doesn't know your business coming in and just being like, like, I don't know, like I'm trying to make sense of it myself. And in turn, that makes you think about things that you may not have thought about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think the other thing we had talked about was just the the seasonal like ebbs and flows. Again, I was mm-hmm. only looking back through the beginning of 2022. So I don't have so much to go back on. But definitely like us, as with most jewelry businesses, that uptick in November mm-hmm. and then a slow down in the summer months too. Oh yes, it is real. <laughs> it's very real. And especially this year, because I just think so many more people are comfortable going out on vacation than they were even last year. So um, this is where, you know, I'm always thinking how important it is to, you know, that's, you know, that's why wholesale is, is important too, because if you can get your jewelry into the stores that where people are vacationing in the summertime, because really, I mean, I don't know how it is for a lot of other people. It's just not, it, the summertime is just not the big, the big season for my website, like at all. I think for a lot of other people too. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it so affects from a marketing perspective, how I also look at data in a way that in another industry, let's say just like maybe beauty or something like that's not so seasonally dependent. I really have to think about it in a different way. And that's why we compare like years, year over year, like looking at June last year versus June this year, because if I just went, okay, January to February, February to March and comparing like the previous month, it would make absolutely no sense because there is so much seasonality. And that's something that needs to be, it's a real thing. And we need to think about that realistically. Yeah. And the planning for summer is, it also makes me realize just how important planning for summer is because I'm also not very present during the summertime. Mm -hmm. You know, my son is out of school, so we don't have that regular schedule. You know, his summer camps are all over the place. We take trips, you know, I'm gone, I'm gone probably four or five weeks this summer out of three weeks. So it's like, I'm not even really joined with my business that much this summer. So it's one of those things that also makes me realize just how important it is to plan ahead and plan, plan your summer intelligently for maximizing sales. And go like, take that time off. I'm all for that. But like Hillary said, well, you have to kind of then think ahead even more so that, even though realistically, you know, okay, it's probably going to be slower. I'm not surprised by this, but we can still do everything we can to like maximize that performance. Well, thank Great. you, Hillary. I'm excited for it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for meeting today. I'm really looking forward to next week. We're going to dive a little bit more into your email marketing and start with that transition to Clavio. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. So what did you think about today's interview? Are you excited to continue following following Hillary on this journey? Check out Hillary's website at hillaryfink.com or follow her on Instagram at hillaryfinkjewelry. And I'll put those links in the show notes as well. And let me know in a podcast review or YouTube comment what you think about this journey.
Okay, let's get into the gold mine. Welcome to another edition of The Goldmine, a segment where I get personal and share insights on entrepreneurship, mindset, mindset, success, growth, and all things business. Even though we've changed the podcast format a little bit, I can't resist continuing with The Goldmine because it allows me to share topics and insights close to my heart. This week's Goldmine is about embracing a comprehensive view of your business. Have you ever heard the saying, can't see the forest for the trees? It's actually one of my personal favorites, <laughs> but it is a reminder that sometimes we can really miss like the whole picture of something by obsessing over a single detail. Not to say the detail is not important, but it could end up being a blind spot. And Everything we talked about today and my work with Hillary and my interview with her brought this phrase to mind because after reviewing her KPI tracker, as I mentioned, we noticed this year a gradual decline in her website sessions and her reaction to that was that she was kind of disheartened by that news. And I said, please do not be upset by that. I really emphasize that this one single metric shouldn't overshadow many other positive trends that we observed. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just an observation that we should pay attention to and be curious about. So let's dive in. Basically, even though the website sessions had decreased, a lot of things had been improving and showing a positive trend upward, like her pages per session, her average session duration, and the growth of returning users year over year. Plus, her bounce rate remains impressively low, and I'm just really impressed by how engaged people are when they come to her website. So these statistics, forget about the website traffic declining. These stats suggest that her visitors are deeply engaged, spending more time exploring and revisiting her site. And that kind of loyalty from people who know your brand is really a commendable achievement, especially in jewelry. It's not easy. It's like the marketing gold standard to have people engaging with you and coming back again and again. So, of course, getting new eyeballs on your website, driving new traffic, essential, important, But Hillary's already nailed a really challenging aspect of marketing, and she needs to focus on that positive point. And on another note, Hillary's performance on Instagram is stellar. Like, I'm I'm floored by the numbers that are related to her Instagram. But success in one area can sometimes also keep us from spotting potential improvements in other areas. I think with Hillary, there's untapped potential for her on Pinterest. Even a really basic Pinterest presence could potentially boost her visibility. And maybe that's the thing she needs to start getting more traffic to her website because Pinterest has so much strength as a visual search engine. So here are my two cents for you. First, I want you to avoid feeling deflated by 
any single metric that seems concerning, to not focus so much on the tree and to see the full forest. So you want to contextualize that data. You want to explore other related metrics to get the full story. And even if you're excelling in one area, don't congratulate yourself too much <laughs> because again that can be a blind spot and you want to remain open to discovering fresh opportunities elsewhere so what did you think let me know in an instagram dm podcast review or a youtube comment that's it for today did you have questions about the episode you can always email me larissa that's l-a-r-y-s-s-a at joyjoya.com if you love this podcast please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it and don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on apple podcasts if you're completely new to digital marketing then you'll want to purchase and read a copy of my book jewelry marketing joy visit joyjoya.com book for more information 